You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. I want to say good, happy new year. You see, I got my hat. I have my little, I'm ready. I am ready for this new year. And I'm wondering what you're going to do for the new year. Um, Are you going to go out tonight? Are you going to paint the town? I don't know what color, maybe pink. Um, Are you, do you have a party you're going to go to? Are you going to dress up in a suit? Um, Are you going to go? Are you in New York going to watch the ball? Um, Or are you kind of like me? who like to just stay in and get some food and relax and watch the ball drop. Here's the thing, whatever you're doing, we are kind of crazy about New Year's. You know that, right? We kind of are crazy about this idea of um, being done with an old year and starting a new year, but we're not alone. I I start looking at how other countries, I wanted to just see, are they as crazy as we are? when it comes to celebrating. And Brazil does some crazy stuff. They dress in white to to signal a new year starting out clean. And then they jump waves. I don't know what that's all about, but you know, Denmark smashes dishes and jumps off chairs. Now, if I was a kid, that would be my New Year's Eve. Ecuador, check this out. We better not start this in America because um, a lot of money will be made. They burn effigies, statues of politicians. The reason why they burn these little statues is to basically burn away the fact that they had been lying or doing something or the negative feeling towards their politicians. You can imagine if they so little, I'm not even, I'm just gonna, um, in Greece, they turn off the lights right before midnight and then after midnight, they turn it back on to signal, you know, starting to see them with fresh eyes. Japan, they clean their house, do deep clean in their houses and they resolve conflict amongst relationships to start off the new year on a right foot. Isn't that interesting? What if we did that in America? Let's, you, you know, China does it. They, 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 do, they do a show, a fireworks show like nobody's business. And I already told you that we eat, we drink, um, we shoot guns off. You all know there's going to be some guns being shot off and we um, watch the ball drop. That's what we do. Now, I got to tell you, I told you I'm kind of um, an introvert. And so I like to stay in on that night. But my wife 10 years ago told me that on her bucket list was to go watch the ball drop. And I didn't want to do it. I'm just going to tell you, I didn't want to do it. But see, I love her. And I like being with her and she was going to go whether I win or not. And I wasn't going to spend New Year's alone. I'm, uh, that's my girl. So I was like, okay, let's do this. So she organized it all. She planned it. She has a friend who lives out there. And we went and spent a few days with her friends, be- friend before um, New Year's Eve. And we just, her friend sh- showed us a great time. Just went to different parks, went to different museums, went to different restaurants. And then the day of New Year's Eve came, like today. And we got up and we got excited. And her friend kind of, um, when we were getting ready to go, her friend actually, right when we woke up, she was like, you probably want to get out early. You don't want to be taking backpacks and stuff like that because sometimes they don't let you bring the backpack um, in. And I didn't even know what that meant until we got there. But um, she gave us all these instructions and said, get out early. But I'm not trying to get out there at eight or nine in the morning. So me and Alicia left out around 1230. We got downtown New York around two. 
When we got there, I need you to understand, if you've never gone, it's mind-blowing experience. They basically, um, each street that leads to the ball, and it's almost like a spoke. There's streets all the way around that you can see. And so each street that goes back, there's different blocks. They were five blocks back by the time me and Alicia got there, all the way around from the ball. And what you need to know is every block, what they do is they cage, I don't want to say cage you in, but they take these metal barriers and put it all the way around so that um, people can still walk through on these side streets. And so there were five barriers back, five blocks back. And I was shocked that that many people, people had showed up at 7 a.m. So we get into this barrier for the sixth block and I'm getting excited, right? It's cold, real cold. And um, about an hour in, listen, an hour in, I started wondering how, because when we got into the actual um, barricade, the you know fencing, they said, once you get in, you can't leave. Because if you leave, when this fills up, we close it off and you can't get back in. And it was filling up fast. So we're sitting there, me and my wife, and it's filling up and they closed ours off and they closed up seven, you know, eight back. I mean, it was, and, and, and about an hour in, I'm like, um, how do people eat? I mean, I just started having these questions, you know, but I wasn't gonna say nothing to my wife because, you know, I wasn't gonna mess this up for her and I'm not doing this over again. We gotta do this right. But I started wondering, how are we gonna eat? We're stuck in this cage, basically. And eventually I saw people coming with pizzas and they were selling for $50. I'm like, oh, man, okay. So at least that was answered. And then a second hour in, I'll be honest with you. I thought, how do you use the bathroom? <laughs> I, I had not thought through this. I didn't see any, there was no porta potties in these self-contained things. I'm like, what are we going to do? Right around that time, my wife walked up to me and was like, I got to use the bathroom. Um, I don't know where we can, we got to go. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. So we went, we used the bathroom, we ate lunch. Then she was like, you know what? Let's just go do all sorts of stuff that we want to do. And then if we, if we can't see it, then we just don't get to see it. But I'm not going to be sitting in this pen for, you know, 12 hours. So we went and got on this horse ride through Central Park. The guy who did the horse ride this told us, don't worry. You know, you got 15 rolls back. And by the time midnight comes, there's still the last pin that's open. And you can see it just as good as in front. You go do your thing. We went and ate dinner. We went and saw a movie. We saw two comedy shows. We went shopping. It was amazing. Then we came back at 1130 and we went to that pin that was 15 rows, you know, blocks back. And there was still room and we got in and, and it was 10, 9, 8. It was exciting. I, people, the energy was just unbelievable. Five, four, three, and then it was zero and the ball dropped and people started jumping jumping around and I didn't know confetti, confetti fell and people were bumping around and knocking up against you and yay for three or four minutes and everybody turned around and was like, all right, let's go home. I mean, that's really how it felt. So we're leaving and I got to be honest with you. The whole time we were out, I kept thinking to myself, how do people use the bath? I know. I'm sorry. I just, I, they were in the pen since seven in the morning. I need to know these things. We get back to her friend's house. And I asked her friend, and my wife was a little offended that I asked her, like, why do you keep harping on this? Because inquiring minds need to know. This is what she told me, and then I did the research and I found it to be true. Most of the people who stay in those pens wear adult diapers. What? <laughs> Let me just say something to you. It changed how I felt about that celebration experience. That's all I'm going to say. But here's what I thought. In my mind, when she said that, I was like, what causes people to do that? What causes people to be willing to go that far to celebrate a new year? That's what I was thinking. I, I, I just started asking myself, what good reason could you tell me that that was okay? 
And then what happened is after I woke up the next day, I felt like what God said is, well, what reason should you be celebrating? And that got me to doing this sermon. So today I have two questions that I want to answer for us. One is really the question and, the, uh, and then the one before it is to give you context. Here are the two questions. What is the context of God's people celebrating the first new year? Because God actually commanded them to, to celebrate New Year's. So as God's people, we ought to celebrate. And then secondly, what are the reasons? So what's the context? And then secondly, what are the reasons we should celebrate a new year? Let me pray real quick. I got a lot to share and then we can jump in. Father God, we ask that you would be with us today, that you would speak to us. Lord, as we are leaving one year and starting another, that you would meet us right now, meet us and that we would walk with you into this new year's. Speak to our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. So first of all, what I need to do is build out the story for you, because in order to answer what are the reasons, you need to understand what was happening. So when you when we get to the peak of the story and, and, and God tells them to celebrate, you'll understand why. OK, so I want to start. I'm going to jump from Exodus to Genesis, Genesis, because we're going to be talking about the Israelites and their um, they're the beginning in in um, Egypt and the end in Egypt. And so we're going to be looking at Exodus 1 and Exodus 12, but I'm going to be jumping back to Genesis so we can see when this all started, what was going on. So Exodus 1, 8 and 10 says this. The new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become too, become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal with them shrewdly. Um, with them shrewdly or they will become even more numerous and if war breaks out they will join the enemy fight against us and leave our country so I need to slow down here and help you understand something um, the Jewish people had lived in Egypt for a few hundred years at this point in time and Joseph was the beginning of that Joseph was the beginning of the Israelites coming to Egypt and I will share a little more with that but you need to know um, something happened when Joseph got there, where Egypt was going to be wiped clean off the, basically they would have died. And God used Joseph to step in to prosper Egypt so that Egypt could prosper Israel, the Jewish people. Okay. So you got to understand that, that history is right here. And somehow after a few hundred years, these Kings forgot history. They forgot Joseph. They forgot God. They didn't even remember what was going on. And let me even read um, uh, more for you so you can, can see. In Genesis 41, verses 37 to 40, we see what happened. Let me give you a little explanation. The king, the Pharaoh, was having these dreams, these real weird dreams. His advisors and seers couldn't help him interpret it. Um, one of the... Uh, the king had a baker and he had a, a cupbearer who had dreams. And Joseph, while he was in jail, was able to tell them what the dream meant. So they said, go get Joe. Pharaoh goes, gets Joseph. Joseph says, here's what's going to happen, king. Your dreams mean there's going to be seven years of really good um, uh, growth uh, of your land. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And he even goes further to say, here's the plan. Joseph, because God was speaking through Joseph, Joseph said, here's the plan. What you need to do is during these good years, build all these grain bins and all these, um, you know, so that you can harvest that and keep it. So you'll be, you'll do good during the famine. And into that, this is what the king says. So I just wanted to give you some, again, context, a lot of context right now. The plan seemed good to the king or the Pharaoh. 
Um, and to do all of, sorry, the, the plan seemed good to the Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so concerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respects to the throne will I be greater than you. So what you need to understand what this king in Exodus um, forgot was that Egypt was about to go into ruin. God showed up through one of his people, Joseph, told them what was gonna happen for the next 14 years and said, here's the plan. And this king, the king during Joseph's time said, boy, you got God in you. God, you and you gotta understand that their gods were different than the Israel, than the Jewish gods. Understand this, this king who did not worship the Israel God realized that Joseph knew the real God. And he said, man, I'm going to tell you what, you can be second in charge and you can run this thing. And it was then that Joseph brought his brothers in and that um, the Israel began to become its own people within Exodus. You need to, God prospered Egypt. I, I, this is important for you to understand because sometimes you wonder why God's prospering somebody in your life, even though they don't follow him or they don't do it <laughs> yeah because this king didn't really believe in the israel god god prospered this king so he could prosper his people isn't that interesting that maybe god's doing something to somebody that you don't like or you don't think believes what you believe because it might help you down the road but somehow a few hundred years later the pharaohs forgot maybe they took it out of their history books i don't know maybe they lost the scrolls all of a sudden they act like they didn't remember i gotta be honest i could real i would why would you want to remember? Why would you want to remember foreigners coming into your country, having the real true God and giving you the plan of how to prosper and being the ones who help you do it? No, but they wouldn't want to do that. They wouldn't want to do that. Whatever the reason is, you got to understand something. This Pharaoh had forgotten. He forgotten that Joseph, God through Joseph, put this plan in place. And you got to understand something. Those seven great years were so good for Egypt. They had so much excess in grain. So when the famine hit, every other nation was coming with bags of gold, just dropping gold at their feet to say, look, give us some grain. You can imagine at that point in time that, it, you know, um, Egypt is starting to become great and wealthy. This is how they became the greatest nation of their time, because the God of the Israelites prospered them so that they, Israel would have a place to grow as a nation. This guy forgets. He forgets how good God was to him. He forgets that it wasn't them who did it. The Egyptian kings forgot God. When it says Joseph, it really means Joseph and his God. They forgot God. They forgot the one true God. They forgot the one who actually prospered them. They forgot the one who actually gave them a plan. They forgot the one who actually gave them the person to set the plan into motion. And because they forgot, now this king is looking around and he's like, what are all these foreigners doing in my land? Where are these people eating my food? They ain't like us. What are all these people taking um, jobs from my people? taking up space, taking up homes, taking up farms. They're not us. In fact, if we go to war, they might choose another side. We got to get rid of them. The reason why he comes to this conclusion 
is because Egypt forgot the God of Israel and what he had done for them. That's the first contextual fact you need to understand. God blessed Egypt because of Joseph. It helped the people of God prosper because Egypt was prospering. There came a hundred or two years later, a king who didn't know anything about this. And now he's looking at these people like, you know, they've been living there for a few hundred years, by the way. And he still looks at them like they're foreigners. Here's the second contextual fact. Let me read in Exodus verse one, chapter, I mean, chapter one, verses 11 through 14. Now, remember what the king said. He said, we got to get rhythm. We got to make a plan. And he actually does. Watch what he says. So they put slave masters over them, the Israelites, to oppress them. Um, to oppress them with forced labor and to build um, Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, watch this. <laughs> the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and in mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and in their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now, for sake of time, I didn't, I'm not, I'm going to tell you the plan. I just wanted to give you the first one. The first thing that the Pharaoh says is we're going to make them work for us for free. They're going to help us build out our kingdom, right? And we're going to work them so hard. He wanted to basically work them till they fell over dead. That's basically what he wanted to do. He wanted to, and the reason why we know that is because, um, he said, how can we, <laughs> I want to basically get rid of them. He was going to work them to death people. And what he did is he started making them make bricks and mortar. And then he got so mad, he started making them make bricks and mortar without giving them the material and still said, you got to maintain. And then that didn't work. They kept prospering. Do you know why they're prospering, by the way, in the midst of all this oppression and hardship? I want you to know something because God told Abraham way back that I will make you a father of many nations, great nations. What's crazy is in the middle of them being oppressed and treated this way, God is still keeping his promise. God brought them to Egypt to keep his promise so they could have a, a safe space for a while to grow and prosper. And now this is happening, but God is still prospering them because he made a promise, because he made a covenant with Abraham. This king loses his mind, so he goes to the midwives and he says, I need you when they have sons to kill them all. And the midwives are like, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not into that. I'm not doing that. That's that's a problem. So he gets even madder. And then watch this in Exodus one verses 22, he says this. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw them in the Nile. But let the girls live. I know I don't have it up there, but I wanted to read that to you because I wanted you to see. He says, when you see a Jewish boy, it is your job to kill him. Wow. Can you imagine as a Jewish nation, you weren't even a nation at that time. They weren't even fully a people. It was just Joseph family who moved there and they had grown. 12 brothers had prospered into thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Can you imagine going from being honored because Joseph did what he did to being forgotten 
and treated like the bottom to then being persecuted and oppressed. Can you imagine? And, and by the way, Genesis says in Genesis 15, it says that this slavery in a foreign land happened for hundreds of years. So they went into slavery for hundreds of years. Can you imagine that with um, pharaohs who were trying to break them, who were trying to work them to death? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having kids? And, 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 and now you know that your kid, if she's a girl, is going to be enslaved. And you know, don't even know what that'll look like. They might have to work and do the mortar. If it's a boy, most likely he's going to get killed. Can you imagine as a father or mother being so excited about having a kid only to know on the other end? that they're going to be worked to death or just killed straight out. Can you imagine that? Can, can, can you imagine um, um, after generation and generation and generation and generation and generation of this, how um, it would break their spirit? They had been praying for all this time. They had been calling out to God for all this time. But this king, and it's not just this Egyptian pharaohs, a few of them were working to kill them off. And then what happens? I'm just going to tell you because of time. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you this. Then this is what happens from um, Exodus 7 to 11. One of the boys that should have got killed got sent down the Nile River, Moses. Oh, you probably know the story. And a palace um, princess picks him up. It floats to the palace and she raises him as her own son. What's interesting is this princess's midwife was Moses's mom. So God even allowed the mom to raise Moses in the midst of this guy grows up and becomes a prince, but it's not the prince of Egypt that God wanted. It was the leader of his people. And this guy is called to lead his people out. And through a series of um, plagues of the crazy miraculous stuff that happens, um, Pharaoh finally, after his son get dies, because God's like, you want to kill the sons, my you know sons, then your sons will die. Your firstborns will die. This happens to Pharaoh. He says, go get out of here. You, 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 my, um, all of my farms, locusts have taken over them. Um, our babies are dead. Um, you know, there's been frogs and blood in the water. Just go, just go. And while they were leaving, watch this, why the Israelites were leaving, the Egyptian people were heaping all of their material goods onto them. Like, just get out of here and take this with you. Can you imagine miraculous stuff happening after hundreds and hundreds of years. Your grandma, your great, 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 great grandma um, had been in slavery and been praying that you would get um, free. And now five or six generations later, God shows up and he answers and he takes his people. And understand in Exodus, you hear this quite a few times. I want you to hear this name. I am your God and you are my people. God would wanted them to understand something. I, your God, am showing up because you are my people. And he pulls them out. He pulls them out and he takes them away. And for the first time, they breathe air as free people. For the, for the first time, they look at their kids and they see that their, their kids won't have to get killed or be enslaved. Um, for the first time, they can um, see that maybe there is a future for them. For the first time, they are able to breathe a little bit easier, not work 20 hours a day. For the first time, they are um, um, not in somebody else's country, but they're heading to their own country. Because this king tried to kill them and God intervened. So the context was simply this. The king forgot God 
and what he did through Joseph. Then he said, look at these foreign people. I don't want them here. Let's put a three-pronged place. You know, um, we're going to work them to death. That didn't work. We're going to get the midwives to kill them. That didn't work. And then he just says, everybody kill these kids. And in the midst of that, God shows up and he delivers his people. It is into this context. So that's the context. Forgetting God, then wanting to kill off God's people. It's into that context that we begin to answer question number two, which is what are the reasons God's people should celebrate? And we find it in Exodus 12, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to jump to 17. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, God was moving them out of Egypt. They were free now. While they were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave them following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt um, on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day for generation to generations. God says this month is the first month. This is the new year. Your new year starts right here. I am bringing you out. I am delivering you in your new year. It's starting right here. You know what? You see what God told him to do? He said, Sel you know what you should, how you should celebrate the new year? Here's the first thing. You need to celebrate I, God, delivered you from Egypt. I'm delivering you from something. And I, God, am delivering you from something and that, and, and it's not just something. Let me read off something. I'm delivering you from all that hardship from the slavery. I'm delivering you from slavery itself. I'm delivering you from this oppression. I'm delivering you from people treating you like a nobody. Um, people not seeing you. Um, you not having rights. Um, I'm delivering you from an evil king. I'm delivering you from materialism because Egypt was um, a, a country that was stuck on stuff. Let me lean in and get quiet and say this one to you. Y'all, some of y'all going to get lemon faced on me when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He delivered them from politics. <laughs> Look, some of y'all getting because we're going into a political year. He delivered them from a system, man-made system of kings and politics and all this broken stuff. He delivered them. He delivered his people and he said, you celebrate this. You celebrate what I, your God, has done for you. You celebrate that your great, 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 great grandma prayed for this and I showed up. You celebrate that um, um, even though Pharaoh forgot about you, I never forgot about you. Celebrate it. Celebrate the fact that God delivered them from Egypt. Let me stop and say this. You're going to celebrate tonight. And my question is going to be, what are you celebrating? So the first reason why they were asked, they were told to celebrate is because they had this um, brutal experience for hundreds of years because one of the kings forgot about God and what God had done and then tried to kill them off because they were just foreigners in his land. But God showed up and saved them. And brought them out and God said, you, and watch this, God wanted them to celebrate like crazy. He said, celebrate the whole month. Could you, look, some of y'all can't even handle one night. You're going you're gonna to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm not even going to ask what you did, but I know you're going to be hit. I know it. I, I thank God you ain't going to be doing this for a month. 
a whole month of feasting and celebrating? I would want to. This is great news. So the first thing, let me say it again, God delivered them from Egypt. And I want to make one more point before I talk about the second reason why we, because they were God's people and we are God's people. The first thing we ought to be celebrating about is that God, whether you could see it or not in 2020 in 2023, God is delivering you from stuff. We can't even imagine all the stuff God kept us from and we never saw that he kept us from. We can't even imagine how um, in some of our hardest moments when we lost people, God was still there sustaining us, delivering us through it. We, we can't even imagine that, um, uh, 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 that in our hurt and our pain and our loss of job and whatever else has gone on, that God was still in the business of delivering us, sustaining us through it. Wow. You, you know what's interesting about this? There was no way they could have said it was their power, their education, their money, their politics, their military, their money, their country. They couldn't say any of that because they didn't have any of that. It was clear it was God. We need to remember this. I don't care what kind of education you got. If you have a master's, that's great. That's not going to deliver you. I don't care how much money you have. That's not going to deliver you. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. That's not going to deliver you. I don't care how much power you have at your job. It's not going to deliver you. I don't care about the military we have our country. I do care, but I'm saying that's not going to be what delivers us. I don't care what party you're in politically. That's not going to deliver you. God delivered them and God is delivering us. That's the first reason why we should celebrate. Here's the second reason found in Genesis 15, four through seven. Uh, then the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Let me stop. I should have gave you some context. This is God having a conversation with Abraham. God told him um, about 11 years back, I'm going to give you a son. And they kind of laughed at it because they were older. One was 80. One was basically 90. And God was like, I'm going to give you the son. And they couldn't wait because it had been 11 years. So they descended. They decided to let um, Abraham sleep with the slave, one of his slaves. And they Hagar and they had Ishmael. God is now telling them Ishmael will not be the one that I give a blessing to. So let me read that again. Then the word of the Lord came to Abraham, him. This man will not be your heir because now he's thinking about giving it to like a cousin or somebody else. Um, but a son will be um, is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the skies and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram, believe the Lord and it was credited to him his righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, the Chaldeans, to give you this land, take possession of it. This was the promise God made way back before Egypt ever showed up. God makes a covenant with Abraham. He's like, I'm going to give you a son. And you, I know you're 80. She's 90. She, you're 90. She's 80. It doesn't look like you can have kids. Trust me, sir. You're going to be a father. And actually, he says it to him a little bit later. You'll be a, the um, father of many nations. He makes this promise and now God's making good on it. 
Here's God, when he delivers them, he had built up this nation in Egypt, these enemies, and now he's bringing out this people that is super numerous. We know their numbers because at the end of Exodus, we go into numbers and there's a count of the people at the beginning of numbers and there's a count of the people at the end of numbers. It's about the numbers. That's why it's called numbers. <laughs> so listen, now watch. God is actually making good on this promise to them. And here's the second point you need to know. They were celebrating God delivering them to, uh, to a blessed future. So God was delivering them from something to something. You do know that when you um, get on Amazon and you get your presents for your kids a few weeks ago, that it, got, it, it, it was delivered from a warehouse to your house. And then you came out and was like, look at this present. How many of you know do you, when you get them Amazon gifts, they feel like gifts? You're like, look, somebody sent me. Oh, it was me. I sent my own self something. But this is wonderful. You need to understand something. God is always in the business of delivering us from something to something. He was delivering them to this blessed future, this future where they would want, they would have their own land. They had not up to this point had their own land. He was delivering them um, from not having their own land to having land. He was delivering them from not being a people to being his people. He was delivering them to being a nation instead of a, a group of ragtags. He was um, delivering them from slavery to something. Ah, oh. can you? All of a sudden, you can see that your kid has a future. They are being delivered from no future to a future. Your grandkids have a future. Can you see it? Man, he was delivering them from a king who wanted to kill them, and instead he held them in his hand. A king who wanted to decrease them, but God still increased them. He was delivering them from um, um, somebody who wanted to do away with them and, and, and God wanted to take them away to do something. Understand this. Uh, a king who hated them and he, God lavished love on them. He was delivering them from this craziness to a, 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 a place of their own to be called the people of God. Listen. The question is, is what has God delivered you from this year? You, whether you, you need to slow down and think about this, because if you say he hasn't been delivering you, you don't know that he really has been. He has been delivering you. What was your story in 2023? Was it hardship, but God sustained you? Was it um, losing somebody, but God still kept you? Was it um, a divorce, but God still um, put his loving arms around you? Um, was it financial hardship, but then somehow God kept making people give you money and doing stuff so that you could make it through? Um, it, what I know is not true is it wasn't because of you. If you made it through this year, it wasn't because of you. It was because of God, your God was delivering you. Your God was strengthening you. So when you were about to give up, it was God who showed up. When you were thinking about, uh, I don't even know if I should be living, God breathed life into you. When your job was crazy, God, but God, but God, remember God. God showed up for you this year. And the question that I'm excited about is what is he going to deliver me to? God has been delivering me from stuff. I could give you a list of things God was delivering, even from bad characteristics. And God wants to deliver me to something. I'm so excited about where this to something is this year. And you should too. When you celebrate tonight, and you will, and I don't, don't even tell me how, I don't even want to know. 
I want you to remember God delivered you from something and that God is delivering you to something. And so here's what I want you to do. Here's the, as I close out, here's what I want you to do for the next few days, but especially the day before you go out and celebrate. I want you to make a list of the things God has delivered you from or sustained you through in this year. Some of you have had hard years. If you had a really good year, then it was God delivered you to something this year, to some blessing. Because it wasn't because of you and it wasn't because of your education and it wasn't because of your strength and it wasn't because of all this other stuff. Understand that if you had a blessed year is because God delivered you to blessing. If you had a hard year, God held you and was deli- is delivering you from that. Make a list. What has God delivered you from or delivered you to this year? And then here's the second thing. Before you do anything tonight, like take a look at that, take a look, look at that list and thank God. Spend some time just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you that it was a good year that you delivered me to blessing. Uh, thank you that I, I went through something really hard. And I don't even know how I got here tonight, Lord. I didn't think I was going to make it through, but it was because of you. We are the people of God. And he commands us to celebrate the new year, but he commands that we celebrate him. <laughs> that we remember God. The title of the sermon was Remember God. Remember God. Remember God. Remember God showed up this year and sustained you. Remember God took you to a place of blessing. Remember God as you celebrate into this new year, a week in, two weeks in. Remember God. Look at that list. Let it sustain you. Spend time thanking God. Have a wonderful New Year's. Thank you for letting me spend some time with you. I'm going to go and um, get some food so that I can lock the door around seven or eight and turn off the lights so nobody messes with me. And me and my wife can just sit around and wait for the ball to drop. You have a wonderful year. Remember God.